Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au installment in our series on Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, uh, verse 7. Behold, I am coming soon, says uh, verse 7. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Let me read it again. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. In verse 17, Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Father, we just thank you for your spirit and your presence that's here. We acknowledge the power of your word, the anointing that's on your word, the power it has to change lives, our life, Lord God, the power that it has to change our perspective, the the power that your word has to change people's destinies. Let that take place today, Lord God, I pray. Let us have walked in one way, but walk out a completely different way. Because of what's happened in this place today. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Father, we bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom in the house of God. To speak and receive your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Uh, This is the last message in a series we began some months ago on the book of Revelation. Uh, We've been examining one of the most intriguing, controversial, and exciting uh, books of the Bible. We've just really touched on it. We've only just scraped the surface. Um, but I've, I hope you've, 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 uh, you've at least appreciated you know, some of the, the power of this book. And you might not be so afraid to actually venture in uh, to the book of Revelation because it's not as scary as it actually looks. Uh, the message of Revelation is powerful and it's reiterated by Jesus in the text that we read. Behold, I am coming soon. Now imagine Jesus Jesus actually said those words. He declared those words some 2,000 years ago. How much sooner is it today? Question is, do we really believe that? Do we really believe it? And if that truth sinks into our hearts, it will change the way that we live our lives. The big question that people have asked over the years is when? When when is he going to come? When is Jesus going to come? The disciples asked that same question. They said, Jesus, when is the end going to come? People have been asking for centuries. And uh, over the years, uh, there have been a lot of speculation about the return of Christ. I remember as a teenager, what actually got me uh, more interested in in Christ and in faith and Christianity was some of the, the books written about Revelation. And I went to, went to the bookstore, word bookstore back then and bought some books about end times. I was fascinated by all of that. That's kind of what got me in. And then I got scared that I might not go to heaven. So I gave my life to Jesus and the rest is history. Um, but there's been speculation for years, you know, and it's usually, you know, the current president, they're the, they're the Antichrist and so on and so on. Um, but the latest prophet uh, to weigh in on the subject of Christ's return, would you believe, is the prophet Google. 
Um, some people speculate that he could be the, the Antichrist, but we're not sure. Uh, there was a bizarre thing that happened recently with the translate feature of Google. Uh, if you typed in the word dog 22 times and asked Google to translate from Yoruba, which is an African language, back to English, this is what appeared. Doomsday clock is three minutes at 12. We are experiencing characters and dramatic developments in the world which indicate that we are increasingly approaching the end times and Jesus' return. Everybody go, ooh. And now Google's apparently since fixed this, but it is interesting. I think the real question, I think the real question about this whole situation is why would anyone type dog 22 times in a transit? What, 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 what was going on in their minds and in their heads? So we don't know whether this was another advertising campaign from Google because they do all kinds of strange things, but it is interesting. So I want to bring this series to a close, but rather than uh, you know, look in depth at the last few chapters of Revelation, uh, what I'd like to do is look at some key scriptures throughout the book of, uh, of Revelation that serve as an encouragement and a warning to all of us today. I'm just going to kind of do a ride through the book of Revelation, pick up some scriptures, and, and I just pray that they're going to speak to us, to speak to all of us here uh, this morning. Now, initially I'd picked six scriptures but I didn't think that was a really good number given uh, the book of Revelation. So I chose another one really quickly, uh, made it seven. And coincidentally, this is part seven of Revelation. There you go. So uh, there's another. Ooh. Okay. So I pray that, that, that as we look at these scriptures that God is going to speak to us today. So the first scripture speaks to us about the power of hearing the voice of the Spirit. It's, uh, it's one of the key scriptures throughout uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, we studied this on Wednesday nights as we looked at the seven letters to the churches, uh, each of the letters finishes with one particular scripture. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It appears in, uh, in chapter 13, verse 9 as well. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Seven letters of Revelation were written to the churches. What the, what the verse is actually saying is that the Spirit was speaking to the church. The Spirit had a message to give to the church. And the Spirit wanted to say something. And the question is, could they hear what the Spirit was saying? It's the question. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is actually saying. I believe just as the Spirit was speaking to the church... I believe the Spirit still wants to speak to us today. And, and just for the record, the Holy Spirit was not speaking to the brick walls. The Holy Spirit was speaking to people. And the question is, and the question being asked is, he who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, some people would have heard the letter being read and they, not, they would not have heard anything at all. But there are others that could actually hear, would have heard the message that the Spirit was actually saying to the question, to, to the church. The question for us is today is, what is the Spirit saying to us today? See, all of us have physical ears and our ears help us hear but what's happening in the environment, what people are saying. But more important than physical hearing, what we need is spiritual hearing. What we need to hear more than ever is what is the Spirit saying to you and to me? Because I believe God wants to speak to us. Because I believe God wants to, wants to speak to us about what's happening in our lives. One of the big questions people often ask is how can I hear the voice of the Spirit? How can I hear the voice of the Spirit? I, I, I believe it's a discipline that we can learn. It's a discipline that can be learned. 
Just, just like any other skill, uh, the, 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 the skill of learning to hear the vo- voice of the Spirit is something that we can all learn. Great example of this in Scripture is, many of us know the, the example, it's the life of Samuel. Samuel was a young boy. He had yet not learned to hear the voice of God. God was speaking, but he confused God's voice with Eli's voice. Three times this happened until Eli discerned what was happening. And he, and he says, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord spoke to Samuel. I don't know what you're facing right now in your life. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. Uh, But what I do know is that the greatest thing that you can do is like Samuel, find a place. Uh, find, Find some time. Still your spirit. Let your spirit quieten down. Begin to pray and begin to seek God and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And, and we need to cry that out because, because we need to say, God, I need, I need you to speak because I need to hear your voice. I believe it's one of the greatest disciplines that we can learn in our walk with God. Are you with me today, church? I, I believe it's one of the greatest. And many of us believe that God can speak to us today. God is a relational God. He's not the kind of God that has, that has just, just speaking down to us. No, he's a God that wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to you. But we just need to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. And you know, it's, it's true. You know, but Pastor Joe, I had this thought. Is it a thought from God? Is it a thought from me? Is it a thought from the pizza the night before? I'm not sure. You need to learn how to discern the voice of the Spirit. But it's powerful as you do. And now if there's one thing that the enemy's been doing from the beginning is questioning, preventing people from hearing the voice of the Spirit. But the, the enemy is always going to try and confuse the word of the Lord. Listen carefully. From right from the beginning, the Garden of Eden, he said, has God said, did God really say that to you? And he's still doing it today. But if we persist, we'll be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He he who has an ear, let let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, to us in particular. We're living in a, you know, in in the information age, computers, phones, you know, gadgets. And and I believe if there's there's one thing they're doing is is they're they're not allowing us to stay still anymore. We we don't know how to be still our spirits anymore. We're always on the run. Every 10 seconds, something's got to happen. You know, you know, as someone texted me, you know, because it's really, if you miss that text, oh man, your life is, how did our parents do it? I don't know how they did it, but they somehow managed to live, you know, but, but, you know, I was, I was in a doctor surgery. I did take my dad to the surgery the other day and, you know, there's four or five of us in the surgery. Guess what? Everybody's got. (laughs) Doing what? (laughs) Except my dad, he doesn't have a phone, but anyway, uh, everybody's on their phones. We need, we need to be careful. Because if there's something that's going to stop us from hearing the, ho- the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Spirit, is, is, is activity and, and so on. And there are times where we need to go on a phone fast in the name of Jesus, in an electronics fast in the name of Jesus, and put it aside and just learn to still our spirits. 
Be still and know that I am God. Do not fret because when you fret, you make mistakes. God can speak to us in so many ways. Through circumstances, through people, through a book, a counselor, through his word, through a message. By the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Question is, are we open to hearing the voice of the Spirit? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And I, I, I you know, you've heard me say before, I sometimes pray for my ears. I say, Lord, help, help, me to, help me to hear your voice in the name of Jesus. When I'm not hearing the voice of God clearly, when I'm not sure what to do, when I'm in a bit of a confusing state, I, I, I start to pray for my ears. I start to pray for my heart. Lord, help me to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because I need to, to, to hear your voice. If you're making a big decision, listen. Listen, the greatest thing that you can do is get a word from God. Get a word from God. The Bible speaks about the people of Israel who, who went in to take over the promised land. And they were, they were defeating one nation after, the, after another. And the Gibeonites found out that Israel was, uh, was defeating everybody. They got scared. Bible says they dressed up in bad clothes. They got some moldy bread. They put it in their bags. They got some camels. They go, we've come from a, from a far land and make a treaty with us. And Joshua had a look. They smelt the bread, looked at their clothes, sandals worn out. They said, uh, all right, we'll make a treaty. God had specifically said to them, make no treaty with anybody. So Joshua felt sorry for them. Makes a treaty with them. And there's this little verse in that scripture. We may look at a message on this. But there's a, little, there's a little verse in that scripture that says, But Joshua did not inquire of the Lord. How many times do we make decisions and do not inquire of the Lord? I can tell you for sure as a leader, most of the times that I've made bad decisions, it's because I made those decisions. I did not inquire of the Lord. But when I've made some amazing decisions, which I made, I, it's because God. Because <laughs> I was, so many times this has happened to me. I'm going, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. And then by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, this little thought comes in my mind. Joe, why don't you pray first? So I pray. Begin to pray, just go into the presence of God, just begin to pray, just begin to worship the Lord. I say, Lord, what do you think of this? Don't you dare do that. <laughs> Serious? Yeah. God wants to speak to you. Listen, God wants to speak to you. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We're an educated church. We're, we're, the, we're, we're the most, we have, we're the church with the most information than any generation before us. Think about it. Think about what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul would have done with email, <laughs> with the internet. Think, think, just think what the Apostle Paul would have done. We've got it all. And yet in many ways, we've got nothing. Nothing. Question is, are we open to hearing the voice of the Spirit? Second key thought from Revelation is the power of prayer. Bible says, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And just by the way, if we ever make any good decisions, it's by the grace of God, for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. This is a powerful scripture because it reminds us of the power of prayer. So often when we pray, we think, you know, are our prayers making a difference? The enemy will say, well, what difference can prayer make in your life? God isn't listening to your prayer. 
I want you to know that God is, in, is a God that hears our prayer. And that prayer is powerful. I love this scripture. I was searching for it all week. I keep losing it, but now I've found it. I've put it on my computer. Deuteronomy 4.7 says this, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? What, 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 what other nation is so great as us that they have their gods so near them that, that, that the Lord God is near us whenever we pray to Him? He's near us. That whenever we cry out to Him, He's there to hear us. Revelation tells us that our prayers are stored in bowls in heaven. That reminds us that our prayers are not wasted, that each one of our prayers has reached the throne of God in the name of Jesus. I, I, I don't fully understand prayer. It's a mystery. But I do know that when we pray, coincidences happen. Some things change as we begin to pray. Some things change in our spirit. Some things change in our heart. Some things change in our environment as we begin to pray. King Hezekiah was confronted by a powerful army, cries out to God. And as he's in the temple praying, Isaiah the prophet comes and says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib. This is the word of the Lord that has spoken against him because you've prayed. Well, some of you are going, but Pastor Joe, I've, I've prayed and nothing's happened. Keep on praying in the name of Jesus. Keep on praying in the name of Jesus. Prayer is not about us changing the mind of God. Prayer is about us getting in line with the will of God. And as we pray, things happen in the name of Jesus. Keep on praying for that marriage in Jesus' name. Keep on praying for that person that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Keep on praying for your children in the name of Jesus. Keep on praying for your finances in the name of Jesus. Keep on praying for healing in Jesus' name. And God is not only interested in the big things, He's interested in the little things. Some of you are in business, some of you are at work and, and you're dealing with situations and you don't know exactly know what to do. Don't you think God is interested in what you're doing? He's a God that's interested right where you are. You're about to go into a meeting that's going to be a little bit tough. Why don't you pray before you go into that meeting? Why don't you pray during that meeting in the name of Jesus? Don't, don't do it loud, but just pray in your breath, in your mind. Pray, otherwise it's finished. <laughs> Come on, one word from God can change our situations. One word from God, one word from God. When Daniel was fasting and crying out to God, that's the origin of the 21-day fast. The response was delayed. He didn't have an immediate answer. And then he continued, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days and then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And the moment we begin to, begin to pray, we need to know we enter into spiritual battle. This is not just a little you know, religious thing that we're doing. As soon as we begin to pray, we enter into spiritual warfare. And the enemy's going to resist us. He understands the power of prayer. That's why he keeps telling us, you're wasting your time. God is, God is not listening to your prayer. Do you remember what you did last week? Why would God listen to your prayer? Listen, if God hears our prayer, I said before, it's the grace of God. It's not because of our righteousness, but for His namesake, in Jesus' name. Keep on crying out to God because He will see you through. The third scripture speaks to us about the spiritual battle we're involved in. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. 
and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been held down. They, speaking of us, triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We need to understand as followers of Jesus Christ that we're involved in a battle. That the day we give our life to Jesus Christ, we become part of a battle between the forces of darkness and the kingdom of light. Battle is real. And we need to learn how to overcome every work of the enemy in Jesus' name. Closer you get to God, the more intense the battle. Sometimes we think, oh, if I get closer to God, my life is going to be better. It will be better in many ways, but the battle will get worse in some ways. The enemy comes against us with so many strategies. He's basically got a, a small list and he just keeps repeating them. He comes against us with lies, half-truths. A half-truth is still a lie. And they're the ones that deceive us the most. Discouragement, depression, fear, anxiety, temptation, all kinds of schemes. The Bible calls them schemes. And as the text tells us, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing us before God day and night. What about joy? What about all those things that he's done? What about you? And as believers, we need to know how to overcome the enemy. Revelation reminds us that one of the ways we overcome the enemy is by the blood of Jesus and through the power of our testimony. Greatest example I ever had of this was um, speaking to one of the old ladies in our congregation. I think I've mentioned this before, but it just fits here. And she called me to come and pray for her. She was feeling like she was under attack. There were things she was hearing in her house. You know, and I'm thinking, calling me? <laughs> Wrong guy. Uh, anyway, so she calls me and um, to come to her house. By the time I got there, she didn't need me. Um, she said to me, um, you know, the enemy's been trying to attack me, she said. And she said, but I, I, I stood my ground. <laughs> and I've said, in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And she, and she, be, she began to declare that she was a follower of Jesus Christ. And that the enemy must flee. I was about to leave. You know, I was so scared. I was going, I'm going. <laughs> she never called me again. Uh, and I certainly didn't encourage her. I can assure you, she, she encouraged me. I, I, there was a strength and a power and an authority over her life that she was speaking. I'm a child of God. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. He's my victory in Jesus' name. I'm convinced that we needlessly put up with attacks of the enemy. We put up with the schemes, the thoughts, the strategies. When God has given us victory over every work of the enemy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bible says they triumphed over him and so can we in the name of Jesus. Now this is real and this is true. I need to do some messages on this, but we need to pray. There are times that we need to pray. Go back into the presence of God and we need to pray in the name of Jesus. I come against every principality and power. Ephesians chapter 6. I come against every principality and power of fear and of depression, oppression, every accusation, condemnation, insecurity, inferiority, pride, stress, whatever, whatever it is that's afflicting you. I break the power of the enemy in the name of Jesus. 
by the act of the cross, by the power of his word. Take a stand against every ruler and every principality and every demonic stronghold in the name of Jesus. Command the enemy in Jesus' name to get his hands off of our life. Get his hands off of our mind. Get his hands off of our heart, our home, our marriage, our children in the name of Jesus. Our church, our city, our nation in the name of Jesus. We need to learn to take authority over every scheme of the enemy in Jesus' name. How many people say, believe what I'm saying is true? Some of us are going through battles we don't need to go through. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. So many of us are fighting with people when, when, when the real issue is, is a spiritual issue that we need to deal with in the prayer room. Deal with the prayer room first and the natural will take care of itself. Come on, church. I, I believe more than ever, we need, we need to learn to spend time with God. More than ever, we need to learn to go into the presence of God. More than ever, we need God in our generation. Fourth scripture speaks about the reality of hell. Bible says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. First death is the natural death. The lake of fire speaks about the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. <laughs> Speaking about life church there. He was thrown into, I'm joking. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Now we don't like to talk about hell. We prefer to talk about heaven. But yet Jesus spoke about hell on a number of occasions. Many times in fact and so should we. Revelation reminds us that hell was created for Satan and for his demons. In the Old Testament there was a created being called Lucifer. Lucifer was the worship leader of heaven. He became proud, wanted to be God. So he rebelled against God, convinced one third of the angels to go with him. God cast him out of his presence and he became Satan and his angels became demons. And because Satan rebelled against God, hell was created for him. Jesus said, depart from me you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There it is right there. Now Satan knows that his destiny is the lake of fire, but he doesn't want to go there alone. People say, well, well how can I make sure that I don't go to hell? How, how, how can I make sure that I don't go to hell? Reality is God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go there. Hell was created for Satan, but it's also a place for people who openly and blatantly choose to reject God. For, for people who choose to reject the, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. We live in a world today where people are blatantly saying, I don't want to know God. I don't care about God. If the Bible says black, they say white. If the Bible says white, they say black. It's this anti-Christ spirit that's already well and truly entrenched in our world today. I want to do my own thing. And if that's, God says, if that's what you want, that, that's what I'll give you. Eternal separation from God, from the presence of God. And, and, and the Bible seeks to describe it with fire and describes it in so many terrible ways. And I don't know if there's literally going to be fire there. What, what, what I do know, it's going to be an awful place. The question is, 
How can we make sure we don't go there? Revelation says all you need to do is make sure your name is written in the book of life. There's only one way to do that, and that's by giving your life to Jesus Christ. And, you know, we could preach about so many things. I could preach about so many things off this pulpit and nice subjects and wonderful subjects and great subjects and things that will tickle us and things that will, will, you know, uh, will be great for us, etc. The greatest message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to heaven than through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Good works are not going to get you into heaven. It's not, it's not what you do. It's, it's about who you know when you get to heaven. And if you know Jesus Christ, then your name shall be written in the book of life. Not sure about eternity. Don't, don't leave this place until you are sure. Except Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Story about a husband and a wife and they're going away on a summer holiday. Husband left the day before his wife. He gets to the destination and he wants to send his wife an email. Only problem is he can't remember her work email. So he takes a shot anyway, but he misses the email uh, and the address and he, uh, uh, by one letter. And so instead of the email going to his wife, it goes to somebody else. Goes to this other woman and her husband had just died. When she read the email, she screamed. Email said, dearest wife, I just arrived and everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) Can you imagine the shock? But what really got her was the PS. He said, PS, it sure is hot down here. (laughs) That's definitely a true story, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Bible not only speaks of hell, but... Bible also speaks of heaven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, beautiful scripture. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Look look at the whole context of relationship. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. How many of us would say, come Lord Jesus, come. One of the things we all experience in life is pain, suffering, hardship. And for many of us, the question is, will things ever be different? The Bible reminds us that in heaven, things will be different. In heaven, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain, no more hardship, no more addictions, temptation, depression, no more scans at the doctor, blood tests. Eat as many donuts as you want. Glory be to Jesus. Our hearts will, no cholesterol in heaven, amen? Our hearts will be healed. Well, there's going to be a feast in heaven, so it should be fine. Our hearts will be healed. We will have new bodies in Jesus' name. And we will be reunited with the loved ones that have gone before us. Sometimes I stop and think about that. In our church, being the pastor for 14 years, and on average we've done, you know, a good five, six uh, funerals a year over the last uh, 14 or so years. And there was one period where we did, uh, in 18 months, we did about 20 funerals. Uh, It was just a busy period. And... um, 
I often think about all the people that are in our congregation that are not there. And uh, can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? Can you imagine when we're reunited with all those people? Can you imagine what it's going to be like? It's going to be amazing. We need to remember that Revelation was written to encourage a group of people that were undergoing incredible persecution. And that that was starting to wonder, is God real? Is all of this worth it? And the same encouragement that God gave the early church, he, he, he encourages us. Hang in there. Don't give up. Keep serving the Lord. I know, it feels, I know it feels difficult right now. Hang in there because heaven's real. Some people say, well, how can you really believe in heaven? That's just pie in the sky thinking. Every religion's got a version of heaven. Listen to what Peter says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Because Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. Some people say, does that mean I have to wait for heaven before things get better? Here's a truth. Here's a reality. The closer we get to God, the more of heaven we experience. The closer we get to God, the more of heaven we experience. One day in heaven, we're not going to have <laughs> issues. I know you guys got no issues. I've got a few, okay? But by the grace of God, as I walk with God, I've got one less issue than what I had last year. By the grace of God. I had 1,000 last year. I've only got 999 to go. All right, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. The closer we get to God, the more of heaven we experience. The closer we, got, we get to God, the more our perspective is on heaven. The, the, the more we are concerned about things that concern heaven. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, the things that get into, us into trouble more than anything else is the things of this earth. But the closer we get to God, the more we start to see the life by God's perspective. More of heaven we experience. Some people say, oh God, wouldn't it be nice if, we, if you just saved us and took us straight to heaven? How many people would like that? Well, it, it, think about that. If that was the case, well, none of us would be here today. Think about the person that led you to Christ. That person wouldn't have been there. They would have given themselves their lives to Christ. Gone. Paul said this. To live is Christ. To die is gain. He's saying, man, I... I I would rather be in the presence of God, but I think I'd rather be here so that I can do the work of God. And I pray that that's what we would do. I'm running out of time. Number six. Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds shall follow them. There were people dying for their faith when John was writing this. It's interesting because he begins with the word blessed. The word blessed there is, um, is the word happy. Happy are the dead. Which, um, doesn't quite sound right. But the scripture says blessed are the dead 
who die in the Lord. What the verse is saying is that for those who have given their life to Christ, who have allowed Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life, they will die blessed. No, no greater way to die than to die as a follower of Jesus Christ. And John gives two reasons. First, because they rest from their labor. That, that means they, they rest from their, their weariness, their hard, the, the, the hardships of life. They rest from that. And they're also blessed because their deeds will follow them. The deeds of God's people will follow them. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Can I have the keyboards? Final scripture reminds us that Jesus is coming again. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one. Listen to the scripture, 22.7. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Sounds a lot like Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. Kind of Revelation begins with this and finishes with the same scripture. Difference with, scripture, with the, this one in Revelation 22 is that Jesus' words. Blessed is the one who reads the book, who hears the words of this book, who takes to heart what is written. Because time is near. The Bible says, teach us to number our days. It's an interesting scripture, the psalm says. Teach us to number our days. There's so much wisdom in that. Because we kind of think like we're going to live forever. But if we understand that our lives are, on, this, on this earth are kind of limited and eternity is forever, it will change our perspective and how we live our lives. You see, we will either live with an earthly perspective or a heavenly perspective. So easy to get caught up in the now. We need to pray, Lord God. Help me to have an eternal perspective in Jesus' name. Help me, to, help, me to, help me to see eternity, I pray, in Jesus' name. Story of a 12-year-old boy who loved to make models. Christmas, he received a model for a present that would, uh, that would make a boat. So he built the boat. It was amazing. Put so much time and attention in building it. He looked amazing. He loved it. Late spring, the ice finally cleared on the lakes and rivers and he wanted to see if it sailed placed it in the water began to sail sailed really well um, as the wind took it along but the wind was strong pretty soon the boat was sailing away from him he ran after it he swam all to no avail the boat sailed away into the distance his heart was broken kept looking for it in spring couldn't find it. Spring became summer, summer, autumn. But he never stopped looking for the boat, hoping that he would find it. Until one day he walked past his favorite hobby, hobby shop and uh, there in the window was his boat. Couldn't believe it. It was torn and tattered. It had holes in it, but it was his boat. He recognized it. His heart sank when he looked at the bottom of the boat. It had a sign that said $50. He didn't have $50. So he thought, I'll speak to the shopkeeper and explain to him the story. This is my boat and, and surely he'll give it to me. Shopkeeper didn't care. He said uh, if he wanted it, he needed to pay $50. He was so angry, but he went home. 
he worked, he saved, hoping the boat would still be there once he had the money. Finally, he had the money. The boat was still there, gave the shopkeeper his money, and he looked at the boat, and it was broken, and it tattered, and repaired, and ripped, sorry. And as he held the boat, he said to the boat, with tears, you're twice mine. I made you, and now I bought you. You have no idea how much I love you. So easy to read the book of Revelation and get caught up with timelines and dates and numbers and speculation. But we need to be careful that we don't miss the real message of Revelation. That at the core of the book is an invitation to come to Jesus Christ. It finishes with these words, 2217 Revelation. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Just come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Just come. It's, it's Jesus saying, come on, why don't you just come? Take the gift of salvation. See, we were a bit like that boat. God created us. He made us. He loved us. But there was a time in our life where we kind of got away from God, where we started to drift in our own direction. And in the process, we got battered and bruised and broken. But Jesus came some 2,000 years ago. He paid the price for our sin. He paid the price so our relationship with God could be restored. And in some ways, God made us and brought us. And He invites us to come to Him. He says, if you're thirsty, come. He says, if you're struggling, come. He says, if you're hurting, just come. He says, if you're crippled, if you're struggling to walk, come. He says, if you're blind, if you can't see your way, come. Of all the themes and speculations of Revelation, the greatest message of Revelation is an invitation to come to Jesus Christ. And experience life, not only here on earth, but also for eternity. Will you stand with me? I just wonder if there's somebody here today, you're not sure about eternity. Nothing would, would, would make me happier. Nothing would give the Lord joy than to see you make a decision for Jesus Christ. You see, God can, God can speak to you. God can encourage you. God can invite you. But that's all He can do. Someone asking, God do everything. There are some things that God cannot do. He cannot, He can save you if you ask Him to. (laughs) He cannot make you follow Him. It's a decision that you need to make. We have something called free will and He will honor and respect the decisions that we make. Question today is, will you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I want every eye closed, every head bowed before we bring this service to a close. And I just wonder there might be someone who's not sure. You're not sure about eternity. If God was to call you home today, you're not sure. You're not sure about what would happen. You can, you can be sure today. And, you know, we need to make a decision. We need to act on something like this. And I just, if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up. I'm, that's all I'm going to do. Just put your hand up and I'll, I'll, I'll see your hand and I'll pray with you. That's, that's all. If everyone's cool, I'm cool. That's cool. That's great. But I need to give this invitation. Amen. Come on, why don't you give the Lord Jesus a clap offering? Come on.